As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, uh, the, the 49ers at one point in time, I still remember because it was my first year covering the team in, in 2017. They didn't get any favors from the league. They played three East Coast early body clock starts in four weeks. And uh, they didn't really know how to travel to those games. They just would crisscross the country back and forth, back and forth. And uh, obviously they lost all of those games. <laughs> they were 0-8 at one point after all those games. It, there was one against Indianapolis. Then there was one against uh, Washington. And then there was one against Philadelphia. 49ers dropped to 0-8 after all those games. It was really bad. So uh, that was about the time when Kyle Shanahan said, enough, we're going to change the way that we do things moving forward because this is just too much just flying back and forth all the time for these east coast games and um the 49ers decided to start a traveling out on fridays to all their road games in 2018 and then in 2019 they finally got some help from the league and and the league started scheduling a lot of these road trips uh to be kind of clumped together so that the 49ers could stay back on the east coast and that's what they're about to do this weekend they play carolina on sunday and then atlanta the following week they're going to stay at the greenbrier in west virginia that's become tradition now this is going to be the third straight season that the 49ers spend a week at the greenbrier to recharge in between these games and matt uh this whole travel adjustment has actually done wonders for the 49ers after Having lost 12 straight road games, and that was the the back end of that streak was the start of the Shanahan era. The 49ers have won uh, 12 straight East Coast road games, I should say, in, in Eastern time zone. The 49ers have won 10 of 11 games in the Eastern time zone, and they've actually won seven out of the eight games that they've done on these uh, home away from home road trips, right? At the Greenbrier, they stayed in Youngstown. They stayed in Bradenton, Florida at IMG Academy in 2019. So they're winning a whole heck of a lot on the East Coast, which isn't too common for West Coast teams. And it appears that they have cracked the formula of at least being rested enough to play these games in a fair fight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the issue has been the game that they come back. Uh, they haven't played well in that first game back from the, the two-game road trip. I think the only win was in 2019 against the Steelers, and that was a, just an ugly game. Uh, that was a, a turnover-filled game. 
Um, it was the one that uh, I think the 49ers won on a Dante Pettis touchdown at the end there. So that uh, that's going to be looming um, because uh, not only do they have that in the background, but they're playing the Chiefs uh, for that homecoming game. But uh, but you're right. I mean, uh, they, they seem to have a formula. Um, they used to stay in Youngstown, which uh, has all sorts of ties to the DeBartolo family and uh, Youngstown State. But uh, that uh, 2019 sojourn, they played on a bad field, an artificial turf field. I think it was a, a field hockey field. And um, you know, you'll remember that uh, D Ford aggravated a knee injury there. It led to all sorts of issues. So they avoid turf altogether, Dennis, and they head for these kind of lush grass fields, which is why even though uh, they're playing first in Charlotte and then in Atlanta, which is south of Charlotte, they're going north to train for three or four days uh, at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. They're uh, they're in love with the grass up there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, it's it, it just shows how different the NFL is now. Uh, you know, when I when I was playing, you know, we we crisscross the country all the time. I mean, we went to London and came back, and then got on an airplane and went to Chicago or something like oh, that. Oh God. Yeah. It's it's interesting how you know it, it's kind of changed up, but it it but we did, Dave. I heard you say that the team leaves now on Friday. We always left on a Friday. It was always a six o'clock flight out of San at, out of SFO uh, to wherever we were going, and we would always get into the opposing town that night and had that night to kind of go out into town and then practice light on. You guys Saturday. would go out. Oh, most definitely. Uh, oh, the NFL it, has changed. They don't let them out anymore. Oh, really? So we, you know, yeah. we didn't have a curfew on Friday night. So we always got into uh, Atlanta or New Orleans around 10, 11 o'clock. And then you could go out. And then you have practice didn't start until 11 o'clock the next day. And then you had the curfew Saturday night before the game. So you were, you know, you weren't rested up at all, but you were there in, in the city. But, you know, I, I, I've never really understood the time clock thing because. You know, it was just playing football. I, you know, it's, I, I know it's a different athlete and coaches approach it differently. But it, I, I never had the time clock thing. I don't think we ever talked about the time clock thing or the body clock. Uh, we just got up and played football. But, you know, these guys are different now. It's a different athlete. Uh, listening to Nick Bosa talk about taking milliseconds off his get off. I mean, it's, it's a different athlete. So, but it's it's good that they figured it out because it was a they they were they were awful on the road, you know, like you said, uh, back in the day, and now they've become kind of road warriors. Well, not this season so far, but you know, it's it's good that they've got a game plan, and, and Kyle Shanahan's thinking about his athletes. But uh, the time clock or the body clock, I've never really understood. Well, God, you talk about the NFL changing. I heard stories about Fred Dean smoking cigarettes in the weight room back in the early 80s. So you go from that <laughs> to you guys going out all the time, Dennis, with, the, with those great 49ers teams in the 90s to, to now. I mean, they're on under lock and key. Wow. Uh, they don't want any distractions, right? They fly in. These players, you know, when they survey players now about what's your favorite city to travel to, the, the answer usually is, well, it, they're all the same because I just see the hotel, you know. The the Hilton or the Marriott looks the same in, in every single city. Uh, the, the police escort buses go from the airport to the hotel. Players do all the 
meeting stuff in the hotel room. Uh, maybe they'll go out to a, a local facility for a walkthrough on Saturday. But again, that's police escorted buses. And uh, it's just a business trip through and through. So uh, it, it is crazy to hear about how the NFL has indeed changed in that regard. But the 49ers this week, um, they have two games in, in which they'll probably be favored. We, we don't have to skip ahead to Atlanta yet. The Falcons might be a bit better than some people anticipated, but the Panthers definitely are not better than people anticipated. This is a team that has a decent defense, a little bit of a, above average. Brian Burns, good edge rusher. Fort Adder's going to have to figure out a way to block him. But boy, the offense has just been abysmal. It's one of these teams that probably should have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo because the pass protection hasn't been terrible. That's actually been one of the strong suits of Carolina's offense, but Baker Mayfield has been like, bottom barrel bad so far for the Panthers and really the only skill position bright spot for this team has been Christian McCaffrey the Stanford product who leads the team in receptions and rushing yards yeah and um, the offense goes through him and uh, I gotta believe that that's been the the 49ers focus this week just as Aaron Donald was for their offense uh, on Monday uh, it's all about Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers have a, a, a really terrific defense to handle him they got fast linebackers I mean Drake Greenlaw is coming off a 15 tackle game that's an absurd number he's had 13 twice in his career including that famous uh, game up in Seattle before the uh, 2019 playoffs. Uh, But this is the first time I was talking to him the other day, the first time he's ever reached 15, even going back to when he was a kid. So um, he's custom-made Talanoa Hufanga. I mean, we can't talk enough about him. He's going to be buzzing around the line of scrimmage too. So you would think that they would be able to kind of keep him under control. And and you're right. I thought that uh, just kind of looking at their stats, that uh, their, their offensive tackles might be the best one that uh, Nick Bosa and Samson Ebicom have, have faced this year. Uh, they've given up, uh, what, four sacks total, that group, uh, which which is a, a, a high amount, but uh, the, the 49ers certainly have faced uh, worse competition this year. So, um, you know, it, yeah, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the 49ers haven't been sharp offensively yet. And I think they're trying to kind of get that going. And if we see even an incremental uh, bit of progress from that group, if, if George Kittle, for example, starts to get uh, more incorporated into the offense. And, and I think there's a, a really good reason why he hasn't been to this point. We can talk about that later. But um, if, uh, if that happens, uh, boy, it, it's very hard not to see this 49ers defense just really – throttling, which is what's been a bad offense and uh, sort of an underpowered offense, Dennis. They just don't have a lot of firepower on that team. Uh, and that seems to play into the hands of uh, of Bosa, of Fred Warner, of Charvarius Ward. Uh, this is just talent on all three levels of that defense. Defense has, has played well. I mean, these, these first four games early in the football season. Now, if you have another opportunity to get after a team, get after a guy like a Baker – Mayfield, who is, you know, he's not known for scrambling. I mean, he's a guy that's going to sit in his pocket, sit in the pocket. He's an arrogant guy. He's going to do a lot of blaming if you put some hits on him. Uh, the offensive line is decent, but this front four of the 49ers, they're awesome. I mean, if they can shut down McCaffrey, which I think they can do, I mean, he's a guy that he's going to get his plays. Uh, he, you know, he's going to get a, a big play, a big gas play. He's a, he's a good uh, receiver. He's also a great running back. 
He's going he's gonna to get his yards, but if you can shut him down and make this team one-dimensional, Baker Mayfield, he'll, he'll, he'll throw you a prize. He'll throw you that pick six, six like last week. What I'm worried about is that the 49ers team uh, seem to play, at least the offense, the, they seem to kind of play down to the team that they're playing. And Carolina's not a very good football team. Uh, I, I think I think the 49ers have a habit of of letting teams like this stay in the football game. And I, I just think of Denver and I and I've seen what Denver's done since they beat the 49ers. And, and they're not a very good football team right now. Right. You know, Russell Wilson's a great quarterback, but he, they, he just doesn't make a very good football team. And, you know, the 49ers tend to sometimes play play down the foot for, for teams uh, against teams that aren't very good. So. I mean, I, I think if you go out early and you shut this team down, you shut down McCaffrey, you make this team kind of one-dimensional and let ba- Baker Mayfield just throw a bunch of picks, make a bunch of mistakes, get mad at the fans, get mad at the coaches, and then just take over this football game. But you can't play down on this team. And, you know, we got it's been said all week long, this is not a very good football team. They don't have the superstars. McCaffrey's it. But these are the games that the 49ers tend to have, have issues with. So... For, or if, if the defense plays like they've been playing, they'll be all right. And, and you know, hopefully Jimmy Garoppolo can get into his rhythm uh, and have efficient day on offense. Well, that's why I started the conversation with the travel thing, because I think if you look at this on paper, the only thing that could really derail the 49ers, given the, the talent advantage they have, is short week, you know, hangover game, right? Coming off of primetime, emotional win of the Rams, and cross-country road trip. And... They have, I think, figured out the formula of how to at least, you know, tackle these cross-country road trips. So, um, you know, I thought that was important to, to talk about. We'll see if they can handle the short week kind of emotional letdown or avoid that emotional letdown. And I will say that they did last year. They, they had a very similar situation last year where they beat the Rams on Monday Night Football. And then they traveled to face the Jacksonville Jaguars in the Eastern Time Zone, a bad football team. And the 49ers just trounced them 30 to 10. And when you look at how poor Carolina has been on offense, um, you know, and you look at how good the 49ers have been on defense, you know, on paper, you're saying, oh, well, this should be a cakewalk. But I think, you know, there is a little bit of a worry with that Panthers defense against the 49ers offense, just because we haven't seen consistency yet from the 49ers offense, right? They were terrible against Denver. They put a, put up a good game against the Rams, but they need to string them together now. And the Panthers, I mentioned Brian Burns. He is a good edge rusher. Um, the, the defense has been sound this year, about number 12 in DVOA. But, uh, Matt, they, they might be down two starting safeties. Xavier Woods is questionable for this game, and their top safety, Jeremy Chin, just went on IR with a hamstring issue that sounds a lot like the one that landed Jimmy Ward on IR a few weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I see two, you know, standout players on this defense, and that's Brian Burns and J.C. Horn, the cornerback. If the 49ers can play around both of those guys with no J- uh, with no uh, Jeremy Chin at safety, I, I think there are plenty of holes to expose in this Panthers defense. Yeah, I mean, to me, the the, the biggest matchup uh, of those two units is Brian Burns. Um, and, and he came out the same year that Nick Bosa did. Um, I forget where he was drafted, but it was the first round, say midway through the first round. And he's he's been really good. I mean, nine sacks the last two seasons. He's already got three this year. They, they move him around to either side. And so I can only imagine that they're going to have him 
on the right side of their defense going against Jalen Moore, uh, the 49ers' really third-string left tackle. And, boy, he's been uh, a bit of a mystery guy because last year at this time, he was filling in for uh, a couple of games for Mike McGlinchey, and then um, he filled in one game at left tackle for Trent Williams, and he looked good. He was solid. And uh, the thought was, wow, the 49ers really found a diamond in the rough here. He's a six-round pick. Um, and uh, possibly a future starting tackle for them. But then he just went he just went missing. And then by the end of the season, when they had that pivotal Week 18 game against the Rams, got to win it in order to get into the playoffs. Uh, and Trent Williams, lo and behold, couldn't go because of his elbow injury. It wasn't... Jalen Moore, who stepped in, it was Colton McKivitz. And Colton McKivitz had been a guy who didn't even make the initial roster last year and had spent most of the year on the, on the practice squad. So um, obviously there were some things that the 49ers were seeing or not seeing from Jalen Moore that uh, that gave them pause. And then he had that horrible game against the, uh, the Broncos a couple of weeks ago. Seven snaps, gave up uh, a sack and a quarterback hit in those. And uh, he again got pulled in favor of uh, McKibbis, who, who was coming off an ankle injury. Um, and so now we're back to Jalen Moore. And so the question is, which Jalen Moore are we going to see? Are we going to see the guy that really struggled against the Broncos or the guy who played a lot better when he came in um, against the Rams on, on Monday night? So he, he's got the talent. I think just listening to Chris Furster, the offensive line coach, it's really about kind of focus for him. Just getting ready, uh, learning how to be a pro, basically. But uh, that's that's their number one uh, goal, their number one focus as the as an offensive line this week is getting Jalen Moore ready for his first start of 2022. Yeah, and you know, it just sounds weird when you say that you know it's it's a struggle to get somebody ready. You know, this is the NFL, and you're supposed to come into the NFL ready to play not trying to get ready to play but yeah he is a he's he's a guy that you know we heard a lot about and so even when Joe Staley was still with the Niners you were talking about this Jalen Moore guy and he was going to be the guy was going to step in this is before Trent Williams of course but I mean he's been getting ready for a while you know and it's about time that 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 he does get ready uh, because he's going to be needed because there's going to be no more Trent Williams probably for the rest of the season or or at least most of the season. So he's got to get himself ready. I want to go back, Matthew. You're talking about um, George Kittle. I want to know what is going on with George Kittle. How come he's not involved with the offense? Or is this still – we're still working through his preseason, getting the rust off, getting himself ready, talking about a guy's getting ready. What's the deal with George Kittle and why have we not seen that big George Kittle breakout game yet? Well, I think there's probably some rust involved in that, but uh, you know they've been playing these uh, these three four teams that uh, have a pair of outside linebackers, so basically five men across the line of scrimmage, and um, you know Kittle and, and Charlie Warner have been the designated guys to go out on the edges and, and take those guys out, and and that's in the in the run game. And also in in the passing game as well. So I, I just think that those types of defenses, and, and there are more and more of those every year. It's the uh, it's the old Vic Fangio defense that that Forty Niners fans know uh, very well. Um, just uh, don't lend themselves to big tight end games because the tight ends are sort of busy doing 
other things. Uh, but this is not going to be one of those matchups. Uh, you know, the, the Panthers play uh, a 4-3. Um, and uh, I just wonder, because of that, whether this will be the game that uh, Kittle really gets worked into the passing game and sort of becomes his, uh, his breakout game this season. Yeah, that would be awesome to see George Kittle back out there making those big splash plays, carrying people on his back, you know, moving the chains. I think that's what this offense, that kind of bursts what this offense is kind of missing. And we know the synergy between him and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So it'd be great if this is that one game that we see George Kittle just blow up. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know if you guys saw one of the reverse angles of the touchdown throw that wasn't because Kittle, you know, Kittle was out of bounds by about an inch with that one foot. But to me, it looked like they had that that synergy back on that play. I mean, he threw him open. It was a great pass from Garoppolo. Kittle had to apply that speed to to track that ball down going there toward the corner pylon and I think you know the narrative would be a whole lot different this week had Kittle's foot been an inch differently placed right if you were if you were inbounds right because uh, there were two catches from Kittle and I'm counting this one obviously that technically wasn't a catch but there were two connections between Garoppolo and Kittle that took a lot of trust in this game he had to throw him open both times one was the second play of the second half it was that little in breaking route where he had to clear the linebacker Ernest Jones right Uh, Garoppolo threw it before he cleared him so you you have to trust that Kittle's going to be there or that might turn into a pick and then there was that touchdown throw. So I think already way more signs of life between the two than there were in Denver. And, you know, this is just a l- larger overarching point. Let's zoom out a bit. That You know, Tom Brady was talking about it the other day. He says he just sees a lot of sloppy football around the NFL from himself included. Tom Brady didn't have a good opening month. Uh, but the, the NFL, I think more than ever these days, 
September is kind of like the preseason, right? They, they don't take the preseason seriously anymore because nobody wants to risk injury. Training camp has so many rules on it. You can't do two a days. So uh, I, I don't think all that much cohesion is built there. I think Shanahan has talked about this before. It's like you're just trying to tread water for that first month, figure out what you have, and then we find out what these football teams are all about in October. And that's even more so the case for a connection between Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle because neither of these two guys, I mean, Garoppolo missed training camp and Kittle missed time due to the groin injury, right? So um, I would just expect this to kind of naturally blossom as October kind of moves into to November. It, you know, you have to keep both of them healthy because football is a game of rhythm. Well, I've watched a, an October game on uh, Thursday night <laughs> in Indianapolis, Denver. Wow. I mean, that was wow. worse than preseason. Uh, that was some of the worst football I've watched in a while. It was so bad that it became compelling after a while, and you had to kind of watch, like watching a car crash. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I see what you're saying because, boy, uh, here we are into October, and that Denver offense just looks out of sync that uh, it looks like uh, Russell Wilson just uh, just arrived there yesterday. And uh, obviously the, the Colts wasn't that, that much better at all. Um, you know, some people are saying that the, the Fangio defense I was just describing is sort of part of this, that uh, defenses have, I don't know if they're ever going to catch up to offenses just because all the rules are slanted against the defenses, but um, they've kind of figured out a formula for kind of defeating or at least slowing down some of these offenses, which is to, to make these teams matriculate the ball slowly down the field. And uh, in doing so, hopefully they, they make a mistake along the way. So that's becoming more and more of a philosophy, um, you know, and, uh, you know, keeping one safety back to prevent the big plays, kind of like I said, uh, uh, stringing out the defensive line along the line of scrimmage. Um, and, it, and it seems to be working. That plus what David just describes is just sort of a, uh, a delayed uh, start to the season because everybody's so scared of injuries that, uh, you know, scoring, touchdowns, all that stuff are down this season. Um, and uh, it'll be really interesting, Dennis, to see if it starts to, to tick up this month. It'd be nice. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't understand where the NFL is going with or the coaches or the teams or the philosophy where, you know, you're not using your preseason to actually see kind of what you got and, and get some type of um, synergy on your football team. And then you go into the regular season, you know, kind of running, you know, and, you know, it, it just seems odd to me that preseason is such a joke now in the NFL. And then you see in September, all this bad football. No, I, I can't watch the Thursday night football games because I'm not an Amazon prime and I'm not going to stay up late to watch it on ESPN afterwards. But, you know, it's just too bad that you have teams that, that are, you know, sloppy football and guys still trying to figure out, you know, what, what's going on? Who's on a team? Who, who can I throw it to? What's my run game? Like, and it's so it's so good to see that the 49ers on defense have figured it out. And, you know, they've they've shut down teams. Maybe the reason why they look so good is because offenses are so bad this first month, month and a half in the NFL. But it's just it's too bad that preseason is not used for what it's supposed to be. And coaches have that idea that we got to you know, we got to put guys on the shelf. Starters can't play because they might get hurt. And then they go into the season, Trey Lance, and you get hurt. So, I mean, it's, it's just odd to me. It's, it, again, it's a, it's a different athlete. It's a different mindset. 
But, um, you know, pretty soon everyone's going to be running a version of a Shanahan offense and everyone's going to be running a version of a, of a Fangio defense. So it's all going to be the same. So you might as well go out there and and and, and play football in the preseason and, and kind of see what you got and, and, you know, get rid of this sloppy September football. I'm kind of sick of it, actually. It's funny you say that, Dennis, because I think next year the 49ers might literally be running a Shanahan offense and a Fangio defense because the way that this the way this defense is playing, D'Amico Ryan's is going to be a head coach next year. And uh, something tells me that the leader in the clubhouse to replace him is Vic Fangio has actually been to a couple practices here over yeah. the past, yeah. past year. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that's the case, but uh, it's, let's just finish this up by talking about how good this 49ers defense has been. Just put it into a little bit of context. Uh uh, we talked about them leading the league in yards per play allowed at 3.8. That's that's really good for comparison. The 85 Bears over the course of a whole season, obviously, were 4.4 yards per play. The 2,000 Ravens were 4.3. So 3.8, the 49ers can set history. But I'm not pretending like they have. They still have three quarters of the season to, to continue this, right? But impressive start. What really, though, stands out to me is the points per drive allowed. Because when you look at like points per game allowed, that includes the garbage touchdown on special teams that shouldn't count against the defense. It includes the safety where Jimmy Garoppolo stepped out of the back of the end zone. That shouldn't count against the defense, right? If you take out those those plays, the defense is allowing only nine points per game, which is insane. But the points per drive is even crazier, guys. 0.88 points per drive allowed. Now, let me let me give you some perspective. Number two in the NFL is the Bengals. That's 1.37 points per drive allowed. That's a massive difference, 0.88 to 1.37. And the 49ers points per drive allowed is the best number on record by football outsiders outside of the 2000 Ravens with Ray, with Ray Lewis, one of the greatest defenses of all time. They're 0.80 points per drive allowed. So what we've seen through four games in the 49ers defense is – awesome and we'll see if they can keep it up but they're you know i think they can this weekend because this is the number 31 offense in the league that they're facing in carolina so what do you guys think is going to happen in this game prediction wise based on the fact that the 49ers have such a big advantage on that size of the ball yeah i mean um we just learned a couple minutes ago uh kyle shanahan apparently said on on the radio that eric armstead uh is not going to play in this coming uh, upcoming game and uh javon Kinlaw is unlikely. So that's a, that's a, a bit of a concern. Two big bodies, really good uh, players, first rounders missing from the middle of that defense. Although we did see the team play largely without those guys against the Rams and they seem to do pretty well. So uh, that, that gives you a little bit of pause, but um, boy, it's still such a talented defense. I sort of agree with Dennis that it might be uh, closer than you'd like uh, for, say, the, the first uh, half, maybe into the third quarter. But, gosh, I, I, I got to think that the, the 49ers' talent just takes over at some point, and uh, they end up winning this game by by more than a touchdown. I'll go uh, 24-13 49ers. I think we saw last week that as far as interior defensive line, Kevin Givens and Ridgeway, and whoever else they 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 got in there, they they can plug in there. They're going to be okay. Um, you've got the best linebackers uh, in the NFL, and these linebackers are going to run. I think they're going to be able to shut down a McCaffrey, and then you're going to see like against the Rams, this front four: Nick Bosa, uh, Ebukan on one, on the other side. They're going to just get after Baker Mayfield. Like I said, once you start putting some hits hits on Baker Mayfield, he's going to make mistakes. 
Uh, he's going to throw you some gifts. He's going to throw you a pick six. He's going to turn over the ball. So, and then in, in the secondary, I mean, they're they're balling out in the secondary. Uh, sticky coverage. Uh, Hufanga is going to be all over the field. So, I think I think it's going to be a close game because I still there's the, the offense has not showed me any consistency. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to find his groove though, and I think he's going to pull it out in his old fashion at the end of the football game, getting the team lined up and Robbie go kicking the field goal. But it's going to be close. It's going to be very close. So I'm going to say 21-14 49ers. Yeah, I think they're going to kill him, but oh. that's just me. Oh. Okay. <laughs> 20, I already made my prediction, so I have to stick with it. I made it in writing in the article. It's up now in The Athletic. Uh, I say 27-6 49ers, okay. I think. I just okay. don't respect Carolina's offense, and maybe they'll they'll make me eat some crow. But um, well, let's hope not. It's bulletin board yeah. material there. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> going to take this, and they're going to be replaying it in the locker room over and over uh, because <laughs> what David Lombardi said really offended them. But uh, no, I mean, you know, Nick Bosa, I think, still takes this Baker Mayfield thing personally. Remember the last time he faced him, he was getting revenge for the flag plant at uh, Ohio State. You know, Oklahoma, Ohio State, twenty seventeen, and. I think Bosa's just having such a special year. 30 pressures. Number two in the NFL is 22, Micah Parsons. Um, I saw some kind of straw poll or something that still had Parsons as like the clear favorite for defensive player of the year. It's like Bosa is better in every single statistical category. It's time that he starts, you know, at least I, I respect Parsons, but I, I, I don't think it should be a landslide in his favor. So maybe over the next couple of weeks, if Bosa keeps on doing what he's doing, he'll he'll get that recognition on the national stage. But we'll see. All right, guys, time to get going. I think the Fort Anners will win by a lot. You guys think it's going to be a little bit smaller margin. We'll see what happens, and we'll all talk after the game on Sunday. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all soon on the Here's the Catch podcast. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.